We are not going to be dealing with the book of Acts today. Since it's the end of the year, we're embarking on a new year. We'll talk about related themes to that. But I want to open up with this passage from Nehemiah. In Judah, well, I should probably first start and say this, that for those of you who aren't familiar with the story, the, the walls of Jerusalem are in great disrepair. The walls were significant to the people of Jerusalem because it, it, it protected the city, it protected the temple, uh, so it had religious significance, and it had kind of a national pride, and the, and the walls were, um, sections were completely open, needed, needed great repair. Nehemiah sees the need, wants to do something about it, and we take out the story here. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Father, we can't help but read a passage like this and be inspired. And we think of how Nehemiah was such a purposeful leader and the people understood their purpose and great things were done. And I pray for us as a congregation that that would be true of us in 2018 as well. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In talking to Christian leaders over the years, I've wondered what separates those who have staying power and those who do not. And I should first qualify this and say there is certainly, I think, God-ordained reasons why some people would leave their post in whatever leadership position. God moves in different seasons, so I, I certainly want to make room for that. But some seem to be hanging on for dear life. Um, others have quit. They want to try their hand at something else because this was too hard. Uh, some have been forced out. I think a very small number of them are just going through the motions, really not engaged, just trying to protect themselves from further hurts until they can find something else. And then there are those who are really serving with, with great passion and direction. What separates the, the faithful, passionate servants from the rest? I think one of those things is purpose. Purpose provides us with a, a, a big picture of why we serve and invest. It's the, 
It's the why behind the what. And when we divorce purpose from our service, it's going to greatly impact our motivation and lessen it. I went to a retirement party yesterday to a dear friend who's been a pastor here for, I don't know, 20-some years, Craig Fields. And many of you know Craig has been a dear friend, and we've prayed for Craig because he's had two double lung transplants. The fact that he's still alive is, is quite amazing. Um, but he pastors the Jefferson Avenue Baptist Church, and today is his last Sunday there at Jefferson Avenue, at least as a, as a pastor. They had asked myself and John Marshall from Second, we both know Craig well, and to talk about him and what he meant to us and other churches in the area, and then other people from the congregation were, were giving testimony to uh, what, what Craig meant to them. And I was struck by this. I was struck that how much they loved him and, and that he was a shepherd. He was not a CEO. And his people knew that. His people understood that he, he had a, a deep compassion and, and love for them. He did not use them. He genuinely and truly sacrificed for his people. And one other thing he also had was a very high view of Scripture. You can't talk to Craig for five minutes without hearing Scripture and referring to the Bible in some form or fashion, yet did not waver from that commitment to biblical authority. I've known Craig for over 20 years, and I would say that he is a man who has lived on purpose. Those two things, that, that love for his people and, and uh, high commitment to Scripture. A deep current that runs through him, that, that motivates him as a a father, as a husband, and, and as a pastor. Purpose. I think it makes a difference. I think it's inevitable, no matter what we do, that there are going to be problems, conflicts, and hurts, particularly when it comes to anything having to do with ministry. And when issues come up, we have a choice. We can either uh, run, right, protect ourselves, or we can embrace purpose. Our purpose extends beyond ourselves, right? Consider a marriage, for instance. Uh, Janet and I, just uh, about a week ago, celebrated 37 years together. Uh, it's a miracle. Yes. Now, on a, on, a, on a couple of occasions, especially in the early years, you know, you're like, hey, are you going to make it or not? But we clung to this notion that our marriage was bigger than ourselves. And our marriage was bigger than our own happiness. Now, that's not to say there was no happiness. It's just to say that was not the ultimate purpose. We clung to the idea that, that God honors and rewards faithfulness in a marriage and that our marriage reverberated to multiple generations beyond our own household. I think those truths 
will resonate with anybody who's gone through travail in a marriage. You understand what I'm saying. Those purposes were like a tether around our hearts that guided our actions. And so then a a vision of of having a, a healthy marriage arose from that purpose and arose from the hurts. So once again, purpose on the mind and on the hearts, it it produces lasting fruit. Lose your purpose, I doubt your marriage will last. Purpose is the difference between faithfulness and losing motivation. I, I like what Andy Stanley said. Andy Stanley said, I have never met someone who said, Andy, I've been doing something meaningful my entire life and I'm sick of it. Never heard somebody say that. There's got to be more to life than what just provides us comfort. There's got to be more to life than my own personal ambition. And not that there's anything wrong with ambition, but it's purpose that is to drive the train. A life for others is far more rewarding than a life just lived for self. Purpose is found just across the border from what's in it for me. Maybe we should just say aloud to ourselves. Say aloud to yourself. Say, hey you, there's more to life than me. Say it aloud. Hey you, there's more to life than me. We've got to remember that. I've often reflected on why in some occasions where I've talked about vision or, or purpose, sometimes there's a pushback. And I, I, I think that uh, certainly it's a phenomenon in the last 20 or 30 years in the church as a reaction to anything that, that speaks or touches upon, you know, big brother, corporate religion, institution, that kind of stuff. I, I get that. And sometimes when you talk about vision, just people smell that a, a mile off, it seems like. But I think another reason is because when you live on purpose, it demands we live in compliance. I mean, some people don't want to submit to something bigger than themselves because what that means is I'm going to have to say no to some things. I'm going to have to say yes to other things, and that may mean sacrifice. I I just want to do what I want to do no matter what. And purpose dictates how we operate, how we serve, right? I mean, how is it that we can have teachers in our Sunday school that want to be here every week to teach children? The time, the preparation, it motivates them. They love it. How is it that we have people that want to go to Guatemala at every chance to our care point and spend $1,500, grand to go? Why do folks gladly go downtown into our, the Fairbanks ministry and, and serve the least of these? Why is it people will take uh, two or three evenings a month and, and spend time with other people and, and share their hearts with one another in, in a life group? Why do people give generously and, and consistently and sacrificially to a church? 
I think the answer to all these questions is related to purpose. Something, something bigger than ourselves. Something that, that tugs at our hearts. And purpose is always close to what stirs our hearts. In fact, it, it often springs forth at the intersection of, of what breaks our hearts and what we're gifted at or what we're good at. Now, purpose is, is different than vision. At least I view it as a little different than vision. I know people use these, throw these terms around, and, but just for purposes of clarification, I would see it different from vision because purpose has more to do with motivation, uh, you know, what's driving us. It kind of always hangs with you. You never really accomplish the purpose. It's more of a driving influence that never goes away. Whereas vision is more of kind of a, a big goal. It may take a long time, but you're going to know when you accomplish it. Uh, making an eternal difference in the lives of those children in Guatemala. That's a purpose. A driving purpose. I can remember how it started. I was in Guatemala. I had visited several what they called care points. All had needs. But we drove six hours from Guatemala City to the side of a mountain, dilapidated buildings, hundreds of children in a Mayan community, didn't know the language, didn't know a soul there. And within about one minute, I knew. Why? Because it was in the worst shape of any that we've seen at that point. Purpose slays you. Purpose grabs your heart. It won't let go. It's a driving influence. And God, I think, has, has put that in all of our hearts, the idea that there's something bigger than us that we can be involved in. There's a, there's a God-sized need, and our purpose is to, to love these people to life, and that has taken now more shape, and a, and a vision has arisen out of that. Listen, it's difficult to go back to having church like normal when you've tasted purpose. Nehemiah was driven by purpose. He wanted to serve and honor his God, and he had a vision to build a wall. Moses was led by a purpose to see his people live freely, and God gave him a vision to deliver his people from the bondage of Egypt. David had a purpose of having his people worship in one location. So he made plans to build a temple. But it was his son, Solomon, who saw that come to completion to finish the task. It was something in the hearts of these men. It was purpose from Nehemiah and Moses and David, from that sprung a specific vision. My purpose, my motivation for this church has always been kind of a dual tracks. It's that we would be authentic and love well 
and that we would have a high view of Scripture, a high commitment of Scripture. If you start thinking about it, I think it's, it's hard for a lot of churches to keep that dual track because usually people who have a high commitment of Scripture, there is a, there's a great temptation to be legalistic and to be controlling. And people who want to love well, it's a great temptation to give away the store and not hold the biblical conviction. Thinking in order for people to know that they're loved, you know, we got to just not hold to these biblical standards. It's hard to do. But specific vision rose out of, in fact, I should go back. I, I remember preaching one of my first sermons in the Fountain Plaza room at Cox North Hospital when our church, near when it first started, and talking about those two things. It's, it's always been on my heart to see that take place in a church. But specific vision arose from that purpose, such as vibrant small groups, uh, having community impact, ongoing discipleship, uh, a strong commitment to missions. So it's, it, I think it's good for us to all reflect on, what's your soft spot? Where is God tugging at your heart? What are those deep motivations and desires that God has woven into your soul? I think if I could give us any direction for 2018, it would be that, that we would tap into our purpose, those deep motivations, those things bigger than ourselves, those things bigger than our comforts that spur us on to you know, reach for the stars. That's where I think God does his best work. So I'd like to talk about what we see ahead what we'd like to ask God to accomplish in 2018. But before we do that, I want us to reflect a little bit about uh, what God has done in 2017. Uh, this certainly is not going to be exhaustive. And one of the reasons for that is I can't tell every one of your stories. I think at the top of the list when I think of 2017, it's been you. It's been the stories of how God has worked in your lives to... to bring, you know, the, the, the Bible to fruition in our lives and working out a biblical worldview and having the life of Christ lived out through us and to, to love better, to serve more, to enjoy the presence of God in difficult times. And my greatest pleasure as a pastor is to, to hear those stories as we interact. That's the biggest thing I could say about 2017. Let me also paint some broad strokes, things that have taken place. For instance, we started 2017 with a new mission statement that was adopted for CCC. We, we finished another round of Joshua's Men, where I take several men and spend a year with them for discipleship and for leadership. We had a new children's ministry, that uh, Memory Lane, that was launched where children would come together. They enjoyed this interactive midweek biblical instruction. Uh, we saw teams go to Guatemala and minister to our friends at the Bethlehem Care Point. Uh, CCC also played a part in uh, school initiatives through the Ministry of Elevate Lives, where churches team up with schools in the area. And as you know, we've had an ongoing relationship with Weaver Elementary School. We had an opportunity to purchase 300 backpacks, and then we filled those backpacks with school supplies 
And every child at Weaver Elementary then was given a backpack filled with school supplies. Now, we're not the only church to do that. Other churches have done similar things, but this is what the Lord has done through CCC. This was, by the way, followed up. We had money left over. We were able to give gift certificates to the staff and the teachers there at Weaver. And those of you that were there as you pass those out know the impact that that had, the smile on the faces of those kids and on the staff who deeply appreciated your generosity. And by the way, what I love about that is that uh, God is putting people in place from our congregation to, to lead the charge. It's not because I've been the catalyst at all. It's because God is having others to really lead the charge and to uh, lead these ministries. Uh, Alicia Coppage is helping us, for instance, with, with Weaver and with the Fairbanks ministry. So we have this continuing relationship now with those, with those entities. Uh, we had a rousing success in our VBS, and that was followed up by the, the first time in Springfield that Canacut Camp has, has run one of their camps in Springfield, and that was right here on our campus, and we hope to continue that. Uh, we hired a new life group director, two worship co-leaders, uh, a new secretary, new janitor, a media technician, and all these folks are going to provide significant and excellent leadership for CCC and, and their respective areas. Our men's and women's ministry enjoyed a great year, strong year with new endeavors and ministries being launched. Our youth group has seen continued growth and had a really good year this year and is continuing to grow. Love seeing that happen. We have a, a new volunteer coordinator in Mandy Spiegel that's helping line up people with their, their gifts and where the needs are, that's been cool to see. Once again, CCC has played a key role in the Unity event and uniting white and black churches together in Springfield. We saw the, the police chief of Springfield and the mayor participate. And what a, what a cool sight to see leaders from the black community praying over policemen, asking God to bless them and see tears come down the faces of those policemen where in other communities, you know, the police are vilified. And here, God seems to be moving in a way to unite the body of Christ and get beyond the, the color barrier. We've seen people come to Christ. We've seen lives transformed through the various ministries of CCC, equipping and empowering people and their God-given gifts to advance the kingdom of Christ. And I forgot to mention the, the vision project that was started a couple years ago. You might remember we had a campaign to raise some funds and um, invest in certain things to improve uh, our systems around here. We've had different room construction go on, a new computerized children's check-in, uh, a new security system with video cameras, a family and nursing room for young families, a new missionary map, new signage, furnishings throughout the facility. Uh, that's not all of them, but uh, that's, that's the bulk of it. And that may not seem like a big deal to you, but hundreds of hours of, of volunteer time made that happen. People trying to, to raise the funds to uh, construct and install items related to the project. And so we can't thank you enough for participating in that. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. Our Advent conspiracy, that where we've been trying to raise $13,000 for a new kitchen for our Guatemalan Care Point. As you know, desperately in need 
of uh, of a kitchen there. And as of Christmas Eve, before Christmas Eve, we had just over ten thousand dollars that were that was raised, and uh, we were hoping that that last bit would come in on Christmas Eve. Well, as of today, we have over twenty-two thousand dollars that has been given. Um, So Christmas Eve, people gave $12,000. That's just amazing. Um, we thank God for what he's done. Every penny of that will be used for Guatemala. We're just so thankful for what God has done in 2017. So as we look to 2018, I want to just highlight some areas. Again, not everything is going to be mentioned. These are not exhaustive, but it allows me to at least outline some of the things that were asking God to accomplish, and certainly at the top of the list would be a continued emphasis upon prayer at our church, uh, where we develop our concerts of prayer. We have a 24-hour concert of prayer that we've done the last few years. We continue with that, an emphasis on prayer and messages and our life groups, and just to make sure that that's always preeminent in our mind, that, that we're a praying church. Secondly would be uh, in the area of leadership development, just continuing to create a pipeline of qualified individuals who are trained for leadership, and that includes the, the Joshua's men and uh, training for small group leaders and for our, uh, our teachers, and there are plans in the works for that. We want our church to be a serving station of congregants and not a, not a staff-run enterprise. It might be boring to some of you, but we, we're looking for systems improvement where we improve the communication and our uh, CCB, our kind of our hub for communication, uh, that we continue to uh, utilize that. And we're going to have this year a dedicated desk um, and people out there to help any of us that need help with logging on and, and moving around in, in CCB. Our international partners, our missions, one of the things I'm excited about is that in 2018, we're going to increase our monthly mission giving by 50%. I, I think that's, that's exciting. And we're going to continue to have a, an emphasis upon short-term and long-term uh, mission endeavors. Uh, community impact. Uh, CCC partners with local ministries for improving the Springfield community by addressing you know, racial, political, social divides in our, in our community. Uh, developing deeper relationships with Weaver and, and Fairbanks. You know, I, I was thinking about this as I was talking about Craig yesterday, and, and the relationship we have now with the schools compared to what it was like years ago. Um, I can remember a group of us pastors meeting with the then superintendent of Springfield Schools, and it was awkward. I mean, this was, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago or so. It was just awkward. I don't know how else to say it. And you could tell he was not comfortable. And I think he was just like waiting for the hammer to fall. Like we had some, you know, agenda, which we didn't. But, you know, and the, the trust wasn't quite there yet, right? Uh, and, and I'm not blaming him. You know, in fact, I'd say a large part of that is on the church's fault. Because we, we have, you know, have kind of tried to wield political muscle in getting things changed. And we've you know, not really approach them, the schools, as, as true servants. And, you know, we've had to pay a price for that. 
But that's changing because now we have relationships with the schools and, and churches are coming alongside and, and partnering with the schools. We're working together. And, you know, you're, you know your principal on a first-name basis. And, and schools uh, or uh, churches that are kind of more resource in the southern part of Springfield are partnering with churches and schools that are very needy in, in the north part of Springfield. And this is a great thing. Uh, so really excited to see that happen. We want to continue uh, those relationships, developing those relationships and, and making a difference, particularly with Weaver Elementary and with the Fairbanks ministry there downtown. The other goal for 2018 is our facility growth. Um, as you know, you know, we have two services. Our, our facility is very limited uh, in terms of our, our worship space, in terms of our children's space. We can only have one adult class because every class is being used. So we have these needs, but we also want to be faithful stewards. And so how do we accomplish, how do we address the need and then also try to um, expand our facility? So there's some things that we want to implement for 2018. First is this, we're going to pay cash for a large pavilion, an outdoor stage that's going to be placed just south of our facility. And uh, it's going to be built with existing funds in our, from our facility budget. CCC will provide the materials, and then it, the rest of it is going to be built by volunteers from within CCC. Now, this will allow us to, I've always had a vision of having outdoor services, one service where all of us could come together on a Sunday morning. Can you imagine, wouldn't that be wonderful today to have an outdoor service, right? <laughs> really test your love for Jesus on something like that, all right? But, you know, through the, through the summer and spring months, you know, several times a year, have an outdoor service and have all the kids out there. To me, that just, uh, that would be really, really cool to have. And You'll see people, it's like, I didn't know you went here. Um, and, and by the way, that will also help us with VBS, with Canacuck. Uh, when Canacuck was here, one of the, the biggest things they said, because they do kind of an analysis, and they said, well, you know, we'd love to come back, but if you have more people, we're not sure you can handle it. And so this will really help us to have those facilities, an outdoor pavilion where the kids can meet at and really help to relieve some of the facility pressure. Now, we also want to position ourselves so that we can add to our facility on, on a, you know, with permanent buildings. And to do that, there's going to be these following steps that are going to take place in 2018. Number one, we're going to save for three months of operating expenses in our general budget, and we're more than halfway there. Number two, we're going to budget a minimum of $100,000 a year for debt reduction on our mortgage. So we're going to accelerate the uh, mortgage payment. Uh, now, there'll be other financial markers as we get further down the road, but the point is we want to position ourselves uh, so that when that time comes to add on to the facility, uh, we'll have done it in a fiscally responsible way. Um, I read from Nehemiah 4 earlier, and as you know, it's a story about people who came together and sacrificed to build a wall. And they faced immense opposition. They were normal people, but they accomplished a very big goal because they were sold out to a cause, a purpose. 
And once that purpose was discovered, I mean, the, the Israelites were relentless, right, in completing that wall. Find what that purpose is, and you'll never be the same. Now, if you need me to suggest one for you, how about this for a broad purpose? How about let's us unite together to build a kingdom out of this world? To build a kingdom out of this world. All of the building stuff and community impact, international partner, leadership development, prayer, systems, all of it is because ultimately we are trying to love people well, trying to connect people to Jesus. We're building another kind of kingdom, not of this world. To invest in something bigger than ourselves. See, when, when you have that vision, sacrifice whatever you need. It's not an issue. I can't think of a better way to do this than through a local body intent on equipping and empowering people and their God-given gifts to advance the kingdom of Christ. That's why we're here.